0: the past. Speak again their immortal tale,
1: the dog.
2: Quiet, quiet. I'll have the bailiff clear the court if this continues. Quiet. Now then, did the court understand the defense correctly? The defendant wishes to make a statement. Yes, Your Honor. I wish to make it regarding the death of the fortune teller, Madame Philomel, of Golash Street. My name, as I have said, Your Honor, is Frederick Hippie. I am an inventor and have fashioned many strange things. In Golash Street I was and still am called the Wondersmith. And what I wish to say now... is not merely a change in testimony no your honor it is more than that it is a confession i am only a man who hated his stepdaughter with a burning passion hated her who through all her life crossed me whose willfulness made of my days a running sore whose very youth and strength angered my aging eyes yes Hated her, and to make her life suffer was my one consuming ambition. Now, she is out of my reach. The young man Solon, her foolish and scrawny lover, is innocent of anything in the death of the fortune-teller Philomel. I am the guilty one. I. The events began when I first saw them together. Solon and my stepdaughter, Zonila. Solon had a bookstore. A hovel of a place across the street. On this afternoon, he was reading to my stepdaughter, Zonila, and the pleasure on her face angered me. I could hear Solon's voice from where I was standing in front of my shop with Philomel, the fortune teller.
3: Let me not the marriage of true minds admit
4: impediments.
3: <laughs> love. <is not> love. <laughs> Wonder Smith,
4: your little bud's blooming in the sun. Zonila! Zonila! Yes. Come here. Look how he shuts his book with a bang. You've a great voice for frightening, Wondersmith. Yes.
2: Have you sat there in the sun long enough, cooing to each other like sick doves? We're not. Get in the house. Upstairs to your room and stay there. Your lover will bake alone in the sun. Get in.
4: Wondersmith, the joy's gone out of her face.
2: She'll laugh only when I laugh. Get in the house, Anila.
4: You're a fine stepfather, Wondersmith. Your daughter's lucky.
2: <laughs> Stop it. We've business, Philomel.
4: So we have.
2: We made a bargain, Philomel. I have done my part of it. Have you done yours?
4: Yes, hippy. My magic has trapped a soul for the doll. It's in a bottle. You say your part is done?
2: Yes. The paint is drying on the doll now. We will meet tonight at eight in my shop.
4: Do our honored colleagues know Caplon the Honest Jeweler and Oaksmith the Cutthroat?
2: <laughs> I've told them.
4: <laughs> and we will test the doll tonight. Yes. It will be a rare sight, Wondersmith, to see a wooden mannequin come alive full of murder and wrath.
2: If the soul you've bottled is full of murder and wrath...
4: Do not worry, neighbor. My pick of murderous souls is vast and deep. Gallow birds, jail birds, a whole nation of outlaws are on the waiting list. And
2: we'll be rich. And with the riches, we'll have power.
4: I wonder, Smith, we'll be rich, albeit somewhat bloody.
2: Tonight, then, Philomel. Tonight. Philomel, answer it. It's after eight o'clock. It must be then.
4: Coming! Coming! Patience, you dogs. I'm an old woman, not a young bird. So, you're here at last. Aye. Come in, Kaplom. You too, Brother Oak Smith. Is everything ready? Where's Hippie?
2: Sit, sit, friends. We will begin in a few minutes. Mm. Here's wine. Drink. Uh-huh. <laughs> I will be back in a moment. Uh, I've brought some stones, Philomel. Rubies. Uh, we'll test the doll
0: with them. Uh, here.
4: Good. And you, Oaksmith?
0: The key to the bird store.
4: Splendid. You're a fine first snatcher, boy. Uh,
2: Is that the doll? Yes. Look. (gasps) Oh, Oh, a masterpiece.
4: Beautiful, Wondersmith. Beautiful. A magnificent little man with the face of a devil.
2: The sword in his hand is as sharp as a razor. I have never fashioned anything as fine as this. And we will bring him alive with one of Philomel's souls and send him out into the world for victims. That we choose. Yes, (laughs) that we choose. He will bring us back the rarest jewels and he'll fight the very devil himself to do it. An epic thief the
4: size of a
2: cat. Uh, Let us test him now. Uh, Have you the soul, Philomel?
4: In this bottle. The soul of a scoundrel hung at dawn from a public gallows.
2: You seem uneasy, Philomel.
4: This is a restless and angry soul. He stirs in the bottle.
2: Let it loose upon the doll.
4: Soon, soon.
2: Uh, Silence. Uh, What is it, Ebby? I heard something. In this hall... The step going by.
4: Your daughter, perhaps. Uh,
2: she wouldn't dare. Oh, come, you're imagining things. There's no one here. I'm not so sure. Uh, we're only wasting time. The dog. It sounded like a step. Oh, shut the door. You're nervous. All right. But I was
4: sure...
0: Loose was the st- soul, Phil Mell.
4: Then put the rubies away and stand behind me. The soul will leap to the first figure it sees and... Well, I am a bit uneasy about the one I've captured. Be careful. Now then, I cover the doll and push the bottle under the covering. Loose the stopper and, unerring, sure with devilish art, possess this body, seize this heart, muscle and nerve and brittle bone. Make them all your very own. Oh,
0: it's it's moving under the covering. Pull off the wrapping. Pull it off.
4: I'll do it. See. Oh,
2: by the seven gods, it's, it's alive. Yes. Alive. Like you
4: and I. See how it glares at us, turning its doll's head from side to side. Oh. Look. It bears its teeth at me. The
2: hate in its eyes when it glares at you, Philomel.
0: Beware its sword, Philomel.
4: Hippy, it is not a friendly doll.
2: That's the soul you gave it, Philomel.
4: It does not like me. Perhaps it wants the taste of blood, and I've the most of it here.
2: The key to the bird store,
0: Philomel. I gave it to you.
4: So you did. Well, my bitter little foe, you shall have your taste of blood. Oh, you'd
0: better call back that soul, Philomel, until we get to the bird shop.
4: I think I'd better too. Come, my friend. It's home for you. Better call back the soul. Relax the muscle. Release the bone. Give up this palace. Leave this home.
2: The light, it's black as pitch here. Hey, wait. I have a candle. Oh. Hold the doll, Smith, while I strike a match. I have the doll, Wondersmith. Just a Help. minute. Help! Murder! Oh,
4: Murder. What was oh, that? Strike the Help. match, Wondersmith. Strike it. There. Oh, it's, oh, it's a parrot. Oh. <laughs> There's a watchdog of a bird for you.
2: <laughs> Quick. Somebody might have heard. Yes, yes. Give the doll his soul again, Philomel. Let's be done with this test. Help.
4: Silence! Master! Silence, you feathered fool. To work. Cover the doll. The bottle now and... Uh, Unerring, sure with devilish art. Possess this body. Seize this heart. Nerve and muscle and brittle bone. Make them all your very own. Save the
2: house, master. Quick!
4: Put the rubies in the parrot's cage. Uh.
2: And it's alive! Uh. At first, your honor... The tiny doll glared murderously at Philomel, the fortune teller. Even in the candlelight, I could see her grow pale. But the instant the doll saw the jewels, greed crept into its eyes. And nimbly, its tiny sword glittering in the candlelight, it ran across the tabletop, jumped to a shelf, and then, as graceful as a cat, leaped across to the parrot's cage. For a moment he hung there, the cage swinging back and forth, silently back and forth. The parrot shouted at him, but the doll showed no signs of fear. He stared coldly, and with a thin, amused smile at the bird behind the bars. What happened then, Your Honor, happened in a twinkling. The doll clung the cage door back, and in he leaped, his sword flashing with a rapier speed. The parrot's wings frantically beat the air, and it screamed. Blood peered upon the bird's breast. The doll, like an Italian fencing master danced about the frenzied bird, plunging his sword into it time and time again. All of us stood there, staring open-mouthed at the struggle in the cage, unaware that it was only the parrot screaming. It seemed to each of us that we could hear the din of some titanic battle, that we could see the dust of some distant armies locked in war. And then it was over in a flash. The bird screamed. It shuddered and spasms racked its body. And then... It fell to the floor of the cage. For a moment the doll stood there, wild-eyed and panting. And then it bent, scooped up the rubies, and swung out of the cage. When it reached us, it dropped the jewels on the tabletop and watched Philomel. Magnificent! Magnificent! Did you see him, Lord? My doll's a success. A success! Philomel, watch out! Hippy! Hippy! I've got him. Draw the soul out, quick. Could you see? He lunged at her. The doll lunged at Philomel. Draw out the soul. Draw out the soul. Relax
4: the muscle. Release the bone. Give up this palace. Leave this home.
2: The uh, doll lunged at Philomel, the fortune uh, teller? Yes, Your Honor. The doll had lunged at Philomel, the fortune teller. There was no question about it. The doll, or the soul that was in it, considered Philomel as his foe. At that time, Your Honor, the sword in the doll's hand was not poisoned. Ah, but later on, yes, later on... Court be quiet! Must I clear it? Now you may go on, Mister Hippie. Continue with your confession regarding the murder of the fortune teller Philomel. When we were done there in the bird shop, and we'd drawn the soul out of the doll in time to save Philomel, we separated. I took my doll, now stiff and wooden, back to my shop, placed it on a shelf, and began walking upstairs to bed. I didn't hear the voices until after I'd reached the first landing. He left you
3: here like this in the dark?
4: He always leaves me like this, Solon. I sit for hours in darkness. I cannot open the window. He nailed it shut.
3: I watched from the street many times, hoping you'd come to him. I couldn't. I know why now.
4: What shall I do, Solan? My life here is a misery. He beats me, treats
3: me like a slave and hates me. Come away with me, Zonila. With you? Yes. Listen to me, Zonila. All that has been said between us are the words in books I've read to you. They were men for others, those words. But when I said them I knew, I felt that they were mine. What are books to me, Zanila? but sources to find my thoughts of you in words. Sola. Don't look at me with such wonder and surprise in your eyes, Zunila. Is it a wonder that I should love you? Is it an incredible event that your name should ring like a joyous bell in my brain? For months I've watched your window, hoping to see you appear in it. For months, torturous days, I've loved you, Zunila, loved you, and spoke to you the words of others because I was afraid.
4: You love me, Solan? Me, a poor wretch? No
3: poor wretch to me, Zonila, but the reality of my dream, the personification of my hopes. Me? Me? My love's as wide as the ocean's wide, Zonila, and as deep and as strong and firm as the Iron Mountains. Solan? Yes? It's
4: so hard to say. So hard.
3: Say it, Zonila. Say it.
4: Dear Solan. you cry. <laughs> because a miracle has happened a miracle. Zunila. I've loved you from the first time I heard your voice. And I thought you were only kind, showing pity. And I needed even that. I never thought you'd love me in my
3: misery. Zunila, come away with me. Something is happening here in this house. It's evil. I felt it. You must come away with me. Wherever you want to go, Solat. Will you come now? Yes. Father. Uh, and where will you take her? Mr. Hibbert? In what volume
2: is this chapter? Bookworm. Is the escape all planned out for you by some other writer? I don't need their help. Yet you use them to steal her affection from me. Affection? What affection? From her father's loving bosom you would steal her. His light of life.
4: Leave us alone.
2: I'm the brute, eh? The beast who treads on delicate feelings, is that it? We're leaving her together. Without my blessing? Without your curse. Come, Zonila. Stop. Leave the girl alone, Cockerell. Or I shall smash you even more than I planned. Do you think, fool, that I shall let her go? After all these years of crossing me, taunting me, do you think I shan't have my vengeance? Zola! Zola! Cry to your miserable lover. You get out of the doorway. I have plans for you, Zonila. You shall play nursemaid and mother to a doll I have fashioned. A more murderous child you'll never have. It's a gift I've carved for you. To amuse you when you're lonely. Or to haunt your dreams. And have a name for that doll. A fine name. One which will dry your tears when the real owner of it is no more. It shall be called Solan. Get away from the door. The comedy is over now, Bookworm. Solan,
5: he's coming towards you.
2: That's an alert girl you never wed, Bookworm. Come here. Don't, Solan, don't. No, no cockerel, we'll test you. Solan! 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 Quiet. You may proceed. I had to strike the girl to quiet her, Your Honor. And when she was still, I bound up Solon, slung him across my shoulder like a sack of meal, and carried him downstairs to the shop. A plan was already formed in my mind, but it needed the help of the fortune teller, Philomel. I made sure the shop was locked, and leaving Solon there, lying on the floor, I went out. The hour was 9.30. It took me only a few minutes to reach the fortune teller's door. Open. It's I, Hippy the Wondersmith.
4: Coming. I'm an old woman. You knock like the very devils behind you. Come in. Uh, what brings you here now?
2: The dull soul. I need it.
4: Ah? Uh, and why? I
2: have a task for him. Another test, and it must be done tonight.
4: What test, Wondersmith?
2: A human one.
4: Solon, the bookworm.
2: <laughs> Will you bring the soul?
4: <laughs> no. What? Why? Why not? I am not anxious to be carved like roast pork won the smith by the little devil. He hates me. We were badly met, it seems.
2: But I need the soul now. No. I'll give you half my share of what the doll brings us later.
4: And if I've long been buried by then? Philomel. No, Hippie. I must trap another soul.
2: I won't wait. I won't. Solon must die now. Hippie! but i wasn't leaving as early as that your honor outside the fortune teller's door i waited and when i heard her creak out of the room i stole in i knew where she kept the bottled soul i found it slipped it in the pocket and stole out down to my workshop again solan was awake now and as i came in he watched me i was pleased that he would be aware of what was going to occur who is it? Who's there? Awake, bookworm. Good. You shall be my audience. Look. Do you see this bottle? Answer. i listen.
3: Let me go, hippie.
2: Soon. Soon. You shan't be in this world much longer. This bottle. Let Zonila go then, if not me. It's Zonila I want. It's you I've no use for, bookworm. Look. There's a soul trapped in this bottle. The fit's a tight one. Listen how he stirs.
3: Epi. What? What do you want? I'll give you anything.
2: The riches of books, the wealth of fool's wisdom. Have you any gold? No, but... Then we will go on. I have a dull bookworm. Let me show you why I am called the Wondersmith. Look, isn't he a very devil of a fellow? No. And the sword, it's sharp, small, but life they say hangs only by a thin thread. Yet to make sure, Bookworm, I shall poison the sword. You're mad, hippie. Mad or not, I shall kill you. There. The sword's primed. Now watch me. I, too, can create life. I shall cover the doll. Now, if you please, I shall place this diamond ring upon your chest. My doll needs an incentive. No, no. No, don't move. Have you pity? Pity is a disease of fools. I've done without it. But no man... Stop. Take your ethics to the grave with you. Now, a moment's ready. Watch sharply. I put the bottle beneath the wrapping. Loose the stopper and... Unerring, sure with devilish art, Possess this body. Seize this heart. Nerve and muscle and brittle bone. Make them all your very own. Ah, look. It moves. Off with huh? the covering. Off. See how he glares. There's your victim there. Hippie, once mm-hmm. Philomel.
4: You fool, I...
2: Philomel. The doll. The doll Philomel.
4: Stop it, Hippie. Stop
2: it. I can still see it all clearly, Your Honor. The shop. Soul on the floor. And the look on the doll's face. When he caught sight of philomel that was the time i first noticed the gold brooch on the front of philomel's dress the doll raced across the floor with his sword held high philomel's face fell and then grew rigid with terror she tried to back away but the doll kept lunging and striking lunging and striking and i could see the tiny sword sink in each time philomel gasped and shrieked with pain each time the sword struck suddenly the fortune teller tottered and her great body crashed to the floor there was a sharp splintering of wood. I saw a tiny sword go skittering across the floor. And then I knew the doll. The doll I had fashioned, Your Honor, had been crushed. And the soul in it freed. I tried to raise Philomel. She was still alive.
4: Oh, I'm sick, Smith. Sick. The sword. You poisoned it, didn't you?
2: Yes, Philomel.
4: Can you do anything? No. You fool. Fool, I warned you. The doll would have turned on you. Where is he?
2: Crushed. You crushed him.
4: (laughs) So I gave him his freedom, after all. He was an angry soul. Stubborn for his freedom. The bookworm? Alive,
2: but not for long.
4: Let him alone, Wondersmith. Never. You're purchasing a bitter afterlife. As bad as mine will be. Oh, oh, the pain. The pain. No riches and no power for us, Wondersmith. We'll go to the grave penniless like all the others. Light. Light, it's getting dark. Philomel. I say, let there be light. (laughs) I am forewarned of the region I shall awake in. Wondersmith? Yes. You are my executor. You will find neither gold nor jewels, but a crystal which you must destroy. Where are you? Here,
1: Philomel.
4: You will find it in... Oh! Oh! A light! Strike a light, someone. Wondersmith. Wondersmith! I must have a light.
2: Philomel. Philomel.
4: Huh? You're leaving so soon, Smith. Well, then. Good night, neighbor. Good night. It was a fine evening. Good night. Good night.
2: Good night. And she was dead, Your Honor. And for a little while, I sat there in the silence holding her head in my arms. I think, and believe me, Your Honor, it is important that you do. I think I love the fortune teller. (laughs) In a little while, I got up. The young man was staring at the door. In it, pale, drawn, filled with terror, stood Zonila, a pistol shaking in her hand. I could have taken it from her without danger, Your Honor. But what was the use? Philomel was dead, and I knew it was the end. How can I explain it? The rest, you know. How Solon and Zunila brought me to the police. How I was brought to trial. I am here because I am guilty. I beg no mercy from the court. Only, Your Honor... Make it soon. Soon. Soon.
0: From the time-worn pages of the past, we have brought you the story, The Doll. Bellkeeper. Toll the bell.
1: Ingredients aged for flavor. That's Lucky Lager. Flavor that's entertaining, enthusiastic, a very exciting beer.
5: Lucky beer, premium beer, lucky premium beer.
4: Murder at
1: midnight.
5: Your card, Mr. Thompson. The. The King of Hearts. Colonel Moore.
2: The Five of Clubs, Mr. President.
5: Count Rizzini. Come, Count, we are waiting. What is your card? Uh, Lasso di Spada. I beg your pardon. The Ace of Death.
1: Midnight. The witching hour when the night is darkest. Our fear's the strongest, and our strength at its lowest end. Midnight, when the graves gape open and death strikes. How? You'll learn the answer in just a minute in The Ace of Death. at midnight. Tales of mystery and terror by radio's masters of the macabre. Our story, based on Robert Louis Stevenson's Immortal Suicide Club, is by Max Ehrlich. Its title, The Ace of Death.
5: I stood there on the bridge and stared down into the swirling fog. It hid the river like a white shroud. I shivered be cold down there, freezing cold. I would go down, down, deep into the black watery depths, my ears bursting and my lungs fighting for breath. And then, finally, there would be silence. Silence. And eternal peace. Somewhere, a clock began to chime eleven. The last hour. The last hour of a man's life. My life, I, John Evans, ill and broke without family or friends, sick and weary of the constant struggle among earthbound mortals, looked forward to my new future. Death. I put one foot over the bridge rail, my heart pounded, my head throbbed, and then someone came out of the mist. And seize me from behind. No, no, no you fool. Don't no, do it. Not no, this way. Let no. Let me go. Let me go Nothing while I still got the courage. you coming. hear what I've got to say? Why did you stop me? Why? I wanted to die. I wanted to. I
0: sympathize with you, young man. You see, I too am tired of life and, and seek death.
5: You? You want to die?
0: Yes, but not by drowning. No, my boy. I've made other arrangements. The river is not only a dull way to die, it's positively sordid. The very idea makes me shudder with distaste.
5: Wait, I I don't understand. It's very
0: simple, young man. Most of us are too commonplace about the the hereafter. We enter it with morbid fear and without imagination. Actually, death can be glorious. Glorious? Yes, a great new change from our ordinary lifetime routine. A journey into an uncharted world. A man should meet death on the wings of adventure. It should be an exciting and delightful experience.
5: Death? Exciting and delightful? Why
0: not? I've already arranged my decease along these lines. And since you and I have an interest in common, why not join me? Huh? We'll seek death's private door together. Come, young man. Come along with me. Where? To my club. I'll be glad to recommend you for membership. Your club? Yes. It caters to a clientele of gentlemen like ourselves. We call it the Hereafter Club. (laughs)
5: The whole thing was mad, insane, and yet, yet it was intriguing, too. I looked hard at the elderly gentleman who'd come out of the fog to pull me from the brink of death, only to offer me a pleasanter and more delightful variety later. He repeated his invitation to join him, and I could see that he was perfectly sincere. I decided to go with him, even though I secretly considered him some kind of a madman. After all, what could I lose now? We took a cab and stopped at a grim-looking building in the Silk Stocking District on the east side. My elderly friend, whom I now knew as Frederick Whitney, took me into a luxurious reception room and asked me to wait there until he saw the president of the club. Finally, the president himself came out to greet me. He was a man of about 50 with a bald spot on his head. Piercing gray eyes and a thin mouth, he smiled and extended his hand to me. Welcome to the Hereafter Club, Mr. Evans. Thank you, Mr. President. Mr. Whitney has recommended you very highly, and I'm delighted to count you among our members. I am pretty vague as to what all this is about, but Mr. Whitney mentioned something about a $400 initiation fee, and, well, I'm afraid I... Tut, my boy, Mr. Whitney knew you were in delicate financial straits and took your initiation fee upon himself. Oh, You were fortunate indeed, Mr. Evans, that he happened along and rescued you from the river. Such a morbid way of entering the hereafter would have been tragic indeed. (laughs) Isn't death in any form uh, tragic? By no means, Mr. Evans. Death can be a triumph, a fine, heady wine, when so designed by a connoisseur. Come, Mr. Evans, follow me. You are about to embark on an exciting and unforgettable experience. Like a man in a dream, I followed the president into a large room. There was a green baize table in the center of it, and several men in evening dress lounged around the room drinking champagne. They seemed nervous and distraught. And when they laughed, it was high-pitched and too loud. They seemed to be waiting for something to happen, some event to begin. As the president and I stood at the door, he turned to me and smiled. These men, Mr. Evans, are charter members of the Hereafter Club. They come from all walks of life, but they have one common desire, death. I see. And uh, what happens now? Our procedure is very simple. We all play a game of cards. A game of cards? A simple but fascinating game of cards. That is, these gentlemen play. As president of the Hereafter Club, I am the dealer. And uh, what is the game? Each man draws a card and turns it face up. The man who is fortunate enough to draw the ace of spades dies. For this is the card of death. And uh, how does he die? By the hand of the man who draws the ace of clubs. Oh, I see. The ace of clubs <laughs> eliminates the ace of spades. <laughs> Precisely. I, uh, how many of these games do you play a night? Just One. But as you can see, Mr. Evans, during its course, a man can live a lifetime of adventure. For this makes of death an exciting game of chance, a game to whip the blood and make the pulses race. You see, one never knows whether he will draw the fatal ace of spades tonight or whether he will survive for weeks or even months. A question, Mr. President. Yes? How much of this can a man stand? I can only answer in this way, Mr. Evans. Our members always come back to the Hereafter Club night after night until they draw the ace of spades. Once a devotee of the game, it's impossible to resist. Ah. Robert, come. We're ready to begin. In a kind of hypnotic trance, I followed the president into the room. But when the members saw him, their conversation stopped suddenly. They put down their champagne glasses. They straightened. Their faces grew pale and tense. Their eyes brilliant with a mixture of fear and anticipation. The president took a fresh pack of cards from his pocket, and like a magnet attracting iron filings, the men drew close to the bay's cover table. I found myself standing next to Frederick Whitney as the president spoke. Gentlemen of the Hereafter Club, the game is about to begin. Someone here tonight will draw the ace of spades. Whoever he is let me assure him that we will arrange his death so that it will appear to be an accident with no breath of scandal and with no unnecessary anguish to his family. We all know that life is only a stage to play the fool upon, as long as the part amuses us. Now we are wearied of our daily performance and have chosen a civilized and exciting way to quit that stage. Gentlemen, the deal. It was a fantastic, weird, monstrous experience. The green baize table, the president puffing on his cigar and dealing a card to each man face down. Each man, his face like a graven image, turning his card up. I, I could feel the sweat pouring down my forehead. My heart pounded like a hammer, and next to me, Frederick Whitney stood rigid, his eyes shining as the president's voice droned on. Mr. Thompson, your card. There, the are Three of diamonds. Colonel Moore. The six of hearts. Mr. Denison. It's... It's the Jack of Spades. Count Rizzini. The Eight of Clubs. Mr. Evans. Our new member. The the Queen of Hearts. (laughs) Mr. Whitney. Uh, Mr. Whitney, what is your card? The the Eight of Clubs. Well, Mr. Whitney, congratulations. You shall be the official agent for tonight. Now let us see whom you will guide into the hereafter. Frederick Whitney left the game and went directly into the president's private office. There was only one card to be drawn now, the Ace of Death. The tension was almost unbearable. I felt like running away from that table, screaming at the top of my voice, but I didn't. I only stood there, riveted, staring at those cards, listening to the president's hypnotic voice. Mr. Benedict? The tray of spades. Mr. Wallace? Nine of diamonds. Mr. Thompson, the uh, King of Hearts. Colonel Moore, your card. The Five of Clubs. Count Rizzini. Count Rizzini, we are waiting. What is your card? Lasso di Spalda. I beg your pardon? The Ace of Death. (laughs) I stumbled from that horrible place into the cold night air. I went directly to my room, shaken to the core at what I had seen. In the cold, gray light of the morning, it took on the aspect of a bad dream, a macabre nightmare. I resolved to shrug it off, forget the whole thing. But when I bought a newspaper, the headline struck me like the blow of a hammer. Quickly, my heart beating wildly, I read the lead paragraph. Count... Pietro Rizzini, prominent Italian nobleman, was hit and instantly killed at midnight when he stepped off the curb into the path of a speeding taxicab. The Count, who had recently lost his fortune, was with a friend, Mr. Frederick Whitney, when the unfortunate accident occurred.
1: And so, in the darkness of the night, a man who has played a grim game and lost goes to his death as the clock strikes twelve for. Murder at midnight. And now here is John Evans again to continue his story.
5: Yes, the Hereafter Club was really a murder club, a racket conceived and created by the polished gentleman who called himself the President. He made a game of death and grew rich on it. For each night, although he lost a member, he made $400, the member's initiation fee. And as the members dropped out, according to Hoyle, there were always plenty of disillusioned neophytes like myself ready to replace them. My first impulse after reading that grisly newspaper announcement was to run to the police. But I had pledged my word to secrecy. And besides, besides, I wanted to go back. I had to go back. The thrill of the game was in my blood. I fought to resist it, but it was like a hypnotic drug. Time after time, I went back to the Green Bay's table, and then one night. Your card, Mr. Whitney? Come, sir, what is your card? The Ace of Spades. (laughs) Now, my friend, Frederick Whitney, the man who'd introduced me into the hereafter club, had drawn the ace of death. His string had run out. He was through. I stared at him. He was calm. And there was a half-smile on his face. He seemed almost glad that for him the game was over. The president kept on dealing. Mr. Thompson, your card?
2: The uh, Jack of Hearts.
5: Colonel Moore? The Four of Speech. Mr. Denison? The, The Ace of Diamonds. Mr. Benedict. Can of clubs. Mr. Evans. They were waiting for me. Come, come, Mr. Evans. Your card? (laughs) The ace of clubs. Congratulations, Mr. Evans. Only your sixth evening at our club, and you draw a winning card. Now, if you'll join Mr. Whitney and myself in my private office, we'll arrange the details. instructions were simple. I was to drive Mr. Whitney into the garage of his home, leave him in the car with the motor running. That was all. And so without a word, I got behind the wheel and drove my elderly benefactor to the appointed place. We looked at each other there in the garage, and then he said...
0: John, if anyone had to draw the ace of clubs, I'm glad it was you.
5: No, Mr. Whitney, look here. I... I don't want to kill you. I, You know I don't. Let's end this farce. Let's go to the police and end this monstrous
0: thing. No, John. you forget I, I'm a murderer. I have already killed. I'd rather die by carbon monoxide gas in this comparatively painless way than in the electric chair.
5: But the police will
0: never know that you were responsible for Razzini's death. If we expose the Hereafter Club, the president would be sure to tell him.
5: There that. must be a way no. somehow. No,
0: my boy. I have chosen death. My time has come. In a way I'm glad. <coughs> Everything is resolved. There is no more waiting. Waiting for the fatal card. Now, it's over now. <coughs> Go. Go, my boy. Leave
5: the garage. Slam the door. No, no, Mr. Whitney. <coughs> for God's sake, turn off the motor before... Go. Go, John, before it's too late. Hurry. Don't worry about me. I have sought death
0: for weeks. Now I welcome it. meet it gladly. <coughs>
5: Staggered to the garage door, went out and slammed it shut. <sighs> I heard the motor still going. Five minutes. Ten minutes. I knew that it was the end now for Frederick Whitney. I looked at my luminescent watch. It was just Midnight. <laughs> I walked the streets for hours after that. Now I was a murderer. True, I had killed with my victim's consent, but I had killed. Now, as the dawn came, I began to shake with a cold rage against the connoisseur of death who called himself the president. Men killed, men died, and he profited without risk. He always dealt the game and never participated. He was a prince of ruin. And unfortunate men like myself could not resist what he had to offer. And so, like a smiling Satan in formal clothes exerting a demoniac spell upon the fools who played his game, he watched them destroy each other. That night I went to the Hereafter Club and just before the game confronted him. Ah, good evening, Mr. Evans. I see you are back again tonight. Yes, Mr. President, I am back again. And I want to congratulate you. Indeed? On what? on your financial vision in starting this club. By simple mathematics, it nets you a handsome profit. We play five evenings a week, and each evening you make $400. That, Mr. President, adds up to $2,000 a week. Yes, it's a tidy sum, Mr. Evans, to be sure. But to tell you the truth, tonight we play our last game. Our last game? Yes, to be frank with you, Mr. Evans, the sport of the game is beginning to pall on me. I've decided to retire to the country and pursue the delights of horticulture flowers are my hobby, you know. Oh, I see. Even you can tire of sending men to their debts. And just what do you mean by that, Mr. Evans? I mean that you are a coward, Mr. President. You have created a monstrous game, and yet you haven't the courage to play it yourself. You question my courage, then, Mr. Evans? I do, and I question your honor, too. It seems to me that if you profit by your clients, you should take the same risk they do. Hmm. You are a very impertinent young man, but I cannot let your accusations go without rebuttal. (laughs) Indeed, it might be an interesting experience to play this last game myself. A kind of fitting climax to a successful career. Of course, Mr. Evans, I'll demand a handsome apology when it's over. You don't mean that you are actually going to take a chance. Yes, why not? I've often been intrigued by the excitement of my clients. Now, I might as well savor that excitement myself before I close the Hereafter Club. (laughs) that the president was going to play created a sensation among the members he dealt around and then another and the third time around for the second night in a row i drew the murder card the ace of clubs the president smiled his congratulations at what he called my phenomenal luck and continued mr thompson your card the uh, two spades colonel moore
1: the king of hearts
5: mr denison the seven of clubs Mr. Benedict. Queen of Diamond. And now, gentlemen, I'll turn over my own card. Oh. Congratulations, Mr. President. You have drawn the Ace of Spades. The President's face was immobile. Not an eyelash flickered. We went into his private office, and his words were calm as he explained the evening's arrangements. I had drawn the murder card and he had drawn the death card. Yet, judging by his unworried attitude and serene bearing, it might have been the other way around. I couldn't help a flicker of admiration for him. As for me, I was eager to do my part, to kill this man who had been caught at the last moment in his own net. He had sent many a man to his death, and now he had to meet it himself. There is a railroad bridge on the outskirts of town, Mr. Evans. It has a low railing, and below it an express train passes... exactly at midnight. You will push me over that rail into the path of the locomotive. And now, if you're ready, let us go. We didn't speak on the trip out to the bridge. It was a cold night. We stood there, shivering and waiting... Finally, in the distance. That was it. The midnight train. I could see its bright headlight flickering as it approached. Then the president spoke. Mr. Evans, of course we are not going through with this. Of course we are, Mr. President. Look here, my dear boy. As you know, the Hereafter Club is disbanded. Unlike my clients, I have no desire to die. There's no point in doing so. You are going to die, Mr. President, just as you have sent others. I'll see to it myself. Be reasonable, Mr. Evans. I have everything to live for, and so can you have. Now then, I'm a very wealthy man, and I'm quite sure you could use, say, $10,000. Get close to that rail, Mr. President. I suggest you listen to reason, Mr. Evans. The others died without a whimper. You sent them into the hereafter, and now you're going yourself as you deserve. You're a very stubborn young man, Mr. Evans. Don't, no, drop that gun! Don't try to kill me, will you? Don't. Well, you got me in the arm. That's all, and uh, oh, oh, now you're going over that rail. Don't, don't! I'll uh, give you anything, anything over you.
2: Don't. Don't. No! Don't. no. Ah. Ah. Ah.
5: When the train had passed, I saw what was left of his body on the tracks. Slowly, with dragging footsteps, I walked down the street toward the twin green lights of the police station. Now, like the others, I'm ready for the end.
1: The doors of the police station open and close on the man who trumped The ace of death. The man who now seeks his own dark destiny as the clocks strike twelve for... Murder! At midnight. Remember to be with us again when death deals his final hand. And the clocks strike 12 for Murder at Midnight. The part of John Evans was played by Carl Swenson. The president of the Hereafter Club was John Griggs. With music by Bert Berman, Murder at Midnight was directed by Anton M. Leader.